Let's pray. God, we know that you are with us right now, that in our separate places, you are knitting us together as one body in the Lord. God, we pray that your spirit would move powerfully in and through us so that we might be opened up, opened to hear a word from you. And God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all of our hearts will be acceptable and pleasing to you, God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Long ago, St. Augustine said, whoever sings to God in worship prays twice. So we're doing this series about the songs we sing in worship. It's called Praying Twice. And the reason we're doing it is because these songs speak about the same truths that we find in Scripture. And because songs and singing open up a part of us that we can't open up any other way. They help us connect the deepest parts of ourselves with God who made us and who loves us. We just sang the song that we're looking at this morning. It's called, Come Ye Sinners, Poor and Needy. I was thinking about it this week. Those are three words that we here in America do not like to use to describe ourselves. Sinners, poor, needy. We much prefer to talk about ourselves as righteous, self-sufficient, strong. We do sometimes find it a bit more comfortable to look out at other people and say about them, sinner, poor, needy, but we don't want to confess those things about ourselves. If we're honest, though, that's the human condition. That is the truth about us. We are sinners, poor and needy. We don't need to be afraid of that. We don't need to try to find a way around it because both our song and our scripture this morning are going to teach us what to do about it. Our scripture is part of the passage from the Gospel of Luke where Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son. It's in Luke chapter 15, and if you've got a Bible open, we'll start in verse 11. If you've got this morning's worship guide downloaded, you'll find it printed there as well. Here we go. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father." And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he, set, so he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around his son and kissed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, because this is a story that Jesus tells, we know that it's a story that's set in the ancient world. 
And that's important because there are a lot of differences between the ancient world that Jesus lived in and the modern world that we live in. The difference that's in play in this story has to do with family and what parents hope for for their children. We have two little kids at home. We're trying to raise them to become increasingly independent, to learn to do things on their own, and then to go and do things on their own. And the future that I envision for our children is one in which they go off and explore the world and have great adventures and choose what they want to do and where they want to live. And that is the complete opposite of how things worked in the ancient world. In the ancient world, the idea was not that the children grow up and go off. Instead, as children grew up, they became increasingly intertwined with everything that happened at home. They would learn their father's trade. They would help to manage the household. Because in the ancient world, the family unit, the father's house, was the primary means of social, economic, and physical security. So to go and live on your own was to set yourself up for failure because you were removing yourself from the social, economic, and physical support that was located in your father's house. Thus, the most heartbreaking thing for a father in the ancient world would be a son who went off and tried to live on his own. And not simply because he would miss his son, but because he knew that the odds were now stacked against his son. And that's exactly what happens in our story this morning. The father's son decides to go off and strike out on his own. The father does what he can to help his son. He gives him a whole bunch of money, but the son, Jesus tells us, squandered it in dissolute living. We certainly get the sense that he made poor decisions with money, wasted it, but the word dissolute caught my eye this week. I've read this story probably 50 times, but never really paused to consider that particular word, dissolute. It's related to the word dissolve, and it carries the connotation of disconnected. He squandered his property in disconnected living. It's exactly what the father feared would happen. When the son disconnected himself from the family, he was setting himself up to fail. So he squanders his property, and then things just keep getting worse. There's a famine. He gets a job, but it's a humiliating one. He's feeding pigs, but there's nothing for him to eat. And finally, he comes to himself, Jesus says. And he decides that he's been disconnected long enough. He's going to reconnect with his father. He makes a plan. He's got a speech prepared. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So even if it means that he'll have to beg to be a servant, he's going to go home. And Jesus tells us, while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around his son and kissed him. There's more to the story, but this is the point. The father had been waiting the whole time, waiting for his beloved child, ready to forgive, ready to welcome him home, ready to reconnect and restore him to the family. And our song for the morning repeats the very same message. The refrain at the end of each verse goes like this, I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms. 
In the arms of my dear Savior, oh, there are 10,000 charms. Just like the son in our story, the one who sings this song decides. When we sing this song, we decide it's time to get up and go home, to go to Jesus, to go to the Father's house where we know we will be embraced, forgiven, welcomed, reconnected, and restored. So the song and the scripture both end with the wayward one getting up and going home. But the difference between the song and the scripture is that in the story, the wayward son, when he decides to get up and go home, well, he doesn't know if there's a place for him anymore. He doesn't know if he's going to receive any kind of welcome at all. In the song, though, each verse begins with an invitation from the Lord. Come, ye sinners, poor and needy. Come, ye thirsty, come and welcome. Come, ye weary, heavy laden. Unlike the prodigal son, we know from the very start that we can always go to God. We know that we will always be met with an embrace in Jesus' loving arms. We know that we will always be welcomed home to our heavenly Father's house, no matter what. We've talked, about the, how, we've talked about how the song begins, Come ye sinners, poor and needy, and it's important to recognize that that's us. Whether we're ready to admit it or not, we, you, me, all of us, we are sinners, poor and needy. Sinners in ways big and small, in things done and left undone, always falling short of the glory of God, living disconnected from God, and the life God wants us to live poor, not in the sense that we're going without, but more in the sense that we are to be pitied because we live with the mistaken notion in our minds that we must be self-sufficient, that we must go off and, and prove ourselves and do it on our own. We are to be pitied because we refuse to admit that we are needy that we can't do it all on our own, that we need help, that we need God's help because life is hard and the world is messy. Come, ye sinners poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Come, ye thirsty, come and welcome. God's free bounty glorify. Come, ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. This is God's eternal invitation to us to come, all of us, to come home to the Father. And yet, so often we don't. I hear this all the time, God wouldn't want me. The things I've done, the person I've been, God couldn't possibly want me. Or... Its cousin is something like, you know, once I fix X, Y, or Z, then maybe God will want me. And I hear the reverse, too. You know, I'm good right now. I know that God will be there when I need Him, but I've got it handled right now. In both cases, what we're saying is, I'm going to stay disconnected I'm going to do it on my own, whether things are going well or things are going poorly. And nothing breaks God's heart more than when we go off and try to do it on our own. So here's the line I want you to pay attention to today. It's in verse 3 of our song. It goes like this, again with an invitation. Come ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never 
come at all. In other words, if you wait until you are ready, you probably won't do it. If you try to fix all your problems before you call out to God, you might never do it. If you wait until the time is right or until you have the time to get serious about God, then you might never do it. If you wait until you find yourself at the very end of your rope before you try to reconnect with God, you might never get around to it. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. We like to be ready. We like to be prepared and impressive. I understand that. This is why we clean the house before company comes over, because we want to be ready for them, and because we, we want them to know that we aren't slobs, and, and we want them to enjoy themselves while they're in our house. But here's the thing. We're not having God over to our place. God is inviting us into God's home. It doesn't matter what shape your house is in. It doesn't matter what shape your life is in because God is inviting us to come to Him, to the Father's house, and it's ready for you just as you are. God is ready for you just as you are, and I get it. We don't want to be sinners, poor and needy. We want to be righteous, self-sufficient, and strong, but if we wait until then, we will never go. In the story, Jesus says that the prodigal son came to himself. And I know that this wasn't exactly what it was like, but I I like to imagine him looking in the mirror, looking in the mirror and remembering, remembering who he was, remembering his father back home and deciding right then and there, it's time. It's time to go home. You know, early voting started this past week. It means that the race to election day is on. It's a big deal. There's a lot at stake for a lot of people this year. And the loudest voices in our world seem to be looking at others. Looking at others and maybe using different words, but but pointing fingers at them and saying something like sinners, poor, needy, weak, wounded, sick, sore, And so I wonder, maybe, if our discipline as God's people in this season is not to look at others and shout what we think they are, but instead to come to ourselves, to look in the mirror and remember, remember who we are, sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore, and then decide, decide that it's time to get up and go home. To God, our Father, who's not only ready but waiting to embrace us, to restore us, and to make us new. Let's pray. God, you've invited us to come to you. And so here we are. We offer ourselves to you, trusting that even if we aren't ready, you are. God, we want to be connected with you. We want to be so intertwined with you and with the workings of your household that when people look at us, they think of you. So God, deliver us from the desire to go off and do it on our own. Welcome us back when we go astray and guide us with your spirit each day. Amen.